0: so last week we kicked off this uh, brand new series called Bulletproof and unashamedly this series is focused on biblical manhood. What does a, a real man look like? And there are three reasons that we're doing this series, okay? Number one is so that every man who hears this can know what God's definition of a real man is. Not Steve Ferris' definition. Who cares? Not, not the Bridge Fellowship's official stance. We don't have one. We just point people to the Bible, right? L- listen to me. Men who fear God want to mirror the image of what God says is right and true in a good man. That's, that's what men who fear God want to do. And so we want to know the right definition of manhood so we'll know what we're shooting for. That's what we want to know, Right? So that's number one, so that every man can know God's definition of what a real man is. Secondly, we're doing this series so that every man who hears this can look in the mirror every morning and know with confidence that he really is a good man. See, ladies, I I don't know if you know this or, or children or whoever's in here, but let me tell you a battle that every man in the world, including this one, starting with this one, deals with on a daily basis especially when we're not healthy we wake up in the morning and we look in the mirror and we ask this question am I enough do I measure up am I meeting the mark of what a real man should be and the scary part of that is since we were little kids we're bombarded with different messages from different directions of what that looks like what is the definition of a real man and if we're not secure in our answer and we don't really understand how God views us and how he sees us as a man, we, we'll feel this pressure to get out of bed every day and feel like we have to prove ourselves again today. It's kind of like, you know, we, we go out into the work world and, and, and we, we kind of look at people that are looking at us and we go, there, I did it. See, I am a man. It's this pressure that we repeat every day because then we fail or we fall flat on our face and the enemy convinces us, well, you screwed that up, you must not be a real man after all. Right? I guess I don't measure up. I, I, guess, I guess what I've been chasing after isn't the right definition of man after all, so I better get up tomorrow and chase after a new definition of what a real man is. And so we, we, don't want, we don't want our men living in that deadly cycle of never knowing for sure, hey, there's the mark. That's what I'm going for. And that's why we're doing this series, so you can understand God's definition and know and look in the mirror and say, I am a good man. And you can do that, man. And then finally, the third reason we're doing this series is so that every woman, married, single, divorced, widowed, can know the kind of man they are looking for, that they can trust, and that portrays the image of our God, provider, protector, leader. That's what we want to do, okay? So in this series, we're looking at some words uh, that we believe the Bible, God's Word, uses to define what a real man is. In other words, we, we don't want to chase after the Hollywood definition of of what a man is. We don't want to live with the pressure of being bulletproof. That's where the name comes from, right? Because you know deep in your heart you're not bulletproof, because when arrows and bullets get fired at you, it hurts. And that's how you know you're not bulletproof. We want God's definition. So last week, we kicked things off by looking at a word that is sometimes difficult to connect to manliness or masculinity, and that word is submit. 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 See, as soon, as soon as I said that word, and as soon as some of you saw it on the screen, men, you got restless, right? You kind of shifted in your seat, and you're like, can we pick a different word? Because that one doesn't sound very manly, right? Submit. I, I, want, I want a stronger word, and, and, and actually, here's the deal. We, we said that a, a, a man can be a real man through submitting himself to a higher authority, and we kind of summed it up this way. Look at this trust god this is what's our definition of submit trust god with every area of your life and put yourself under the authority of everything that he says is right and good if you do that you'll be a better version of the man that god created you to be now let me add this this morning before we go on to our next word if if you're going to get there if you're going to be the version of the man that God created you to be then we have to trust God enough to submit our lives to him listen to me here's here's the important part no matter how it feels or what it costs that's the key right if, if we're going to start living our lives according to how we feel in the moment It's going to create uh, this life for us where we're tossed back and forth depending on how the winds of change or how the winds of life blow and we will never become what God's created us to be. You cannot commit to a if it feels good, do it life. I had a friend of mine in high school uh, that when he was in early college, he had a little bit of a drinking problem and uh, he told a story to me one time where he, he had too much to drink and he got in his car and drove. And, and that's terrible. That's wrong. I'm not, I'm not condoning that at all. I'm just making a point with the story. So save your emails, okay? Drinking and driving is wrong, period, okay? All right. So he gets in his car. He's had a little too much to drink and he comes up to a stoplight behind this Jeep and he notices a bumper sticker on the back of the Jeep. And the bumper sticker said, if it feels good, do it. So my friend Todd puts his truck in reverse and backs up a little bit and then floors it and rams into the back of the jeep. Now, of course, the guy in the jeep is a little bit ticked at this, right? He flies out of the jeep, goes back to Todd's truck and goes, what the bleep do you think you're doing? And Todd answered, felt good right? Now, now, listen to me, okay? I'm, I'm not condoning that. What I'm saying is, and by the way, uh, he had to pay the deal. He got citations and all that kind of stuff, and he got a DUI because when the police showed up, they realized he was intoxicated. So my point is this, if you live according to that motto, it feels good, man. I, I'm looking out for me. I, I don't want pressure. I don't want stuff in my, I just want it to feel good, right? You're, you're going to pay heavy consequences to, for that kind of lifestyle, and so if, if most of us were honest, right, when we think about a time in our lives where everything blew up in our face, we can probably, uh, and, and, and when that happens, can we all agree on this, men, women, children, everybody, when, when life blows up in our face and we know it's our fault, we wish we could hit the rewind button or do that part of life over. But That's not how life works, right? Once we've done it, the consequences are out there. And, and so, so when those moments happen, I'm pretty sure most of us would look at that moment and we could, we could connect it back to a statement something like this. I'm pretty sure I knew what God wanted me to do in that moment. I, I know the way he wanted me to live, but I said no. I'm not going to do it your way, God. I know it's in the Bible. I know you're probably not pleased with this one, God, but I don't care. I'm going to live my way. And that's That's the battle. So that's why submitting to God's authority is so critical for all of us, not just men. All of the stuff written in the Bible, all the things you hear us teach every single week when you come into this place, it's not God trying to ruin your fun or take all the exciting things out of your life. It's actually the opposite. God's trying to protect you and keep you on course to becoming the man he wants you to be. So it's not this thing we said last week, submitting to God is not this thing to be afraid of, it's something to embrace because that's the key that unlocks the kind of life that you're really looking for, right? So here's a dose of reality for all of us, and then we'll we'll head into uh, today's word, and this one's worth taking a picture, and this applies to everybody in the room today, but men, especially us. When you think about submitting in your life, you need to understand that nothing is going to change in the future, at least not for the better, until you begin submitting yourself to what God says is right and true. Not how you feel, not based on your circumstances, but what God says. And, and I, I, again, listen, this, I, I might even go as far as to say this first word in this series, submit, is the gateway. It, if we don't get this one right, men... Everything else we're going to talk about over the next month doesn't really matter unless you get this one right. Because if you don't get the submit part right, you're going to continue in that deadly cycle where you try it for a little bit, it gets hard, and then you bail and go back to the the way you're used to doing it. Or a better way to say it is you just take the keys back from God and go, I don't like how you're driving, I'm doing it my way. Right, so that brings us to today's word and, and man, I promise you're gonna like this word so much better than submit, okay? So here's, here's the statement we're gonna be unpacking today. A real man is a man of honor. Right, that one just, that one just feels better, right man? Like you just go, okay, now that's my kind of word. Ferris, don't mention submit anymore. Let's stick with words like honor, right? Because when we, when we think of honor, we just think, yes, that's a man word right there. Well, buckle up. Let's see if you still feel that way here in a few minutes, okay? Now, I realize there's probably a lot of definitions of what a man of honor really is, and so to make sure we're all on the same page for our talk today, here's the definition we're going to be working from. A man of honor knows what's most important and keeps all things in proper position of priority, his time, money, energy, and attention. How do you like honor now? Not so easy, right? Now, listen, that statement I just, we just put up on the screen, that's not straight out of scripture, but I promise you the scripture we're going to look at today, when we walk out of here, you're going to go, God's word backs up that statement, that, that a man of honor knows what's really important. In fact, I want to simplify it, and we're going to unpack parts of that that definition as we go along today, but let me simplify it even a little bit more. Look at this, and this is another one that's worth taking a picture of. A man of honor spends his life on the things that really matter the most. That's a man of honor. He knows what's most important, and that's what he spends his life doing, are the things that are really most important, the things that matter the most. And I, and I, know, what, I know what some guys in here are thinking, because I do the same thing sometimes. Are you, are you really going to try and stand there today and tell me what I should think is most important in my life? Nope. I'm not here to do that. But let me tell you what I am going to do. I am going to read what God's word says about what's most important in your life. And then I'm going to let you decide for yourself if you're focusing your time, money, energy, and attention on the things that matter most. I'm going to let you decide. So for starters, we're going to take a look at a a passage that we covered a few weeks ago in our Better Way series. If you were here, our our core value series. And so this may sound familiar to you. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, God's word says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where, the thieves, uh, where thieves do not break in and steal. Look at this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and if you were here a few weeks ago when we unpacked this in detail, you'll remember that word treasure equates The things that are most important to me my time, energy, attention, my money. And and listen, there's not very many men or women in this room that wouldn't put those four things in your most important category. Because all of those things that I just listed time, money, attention, and energy we all have limited amounts of those. And so, what we're trying to get to today is that a man of honor understands that all of those things are limited. And he prioritizes what gets those things properly. He looks at his life and says, this is what's really most important. Here's what Jesus is really saying here. Don't waste those things, time, energy, money, and attention on things that aren't going to last. Prioritize your life in such a way that the most important things get the most of your treasure, according to Matthew chapter 6. That's what a a man of honor does. So based on that, let's reword our definition for today. Look at this. A man of honor courageously prioritizes his daily life and spends his limited time, money, energy, and attention on the things that really matter the most according to what God says is most important. There's that word again, submit. See, we can't get away from it. No matter what we talk about for the rest of this series we're going to have to come back to the word submit because it goes with what God says is most important. Because the, the world, a lot of times, in fact, in commercials, TV shows, uh, billboard, all kinds of stuff, we're bombarded with messages that say, what do you think? Like, stop listening to everybody else. What do you really want for your life? And that's a broken message. Because left to our own devices, left to decide for ourselves, we're going to run the, t- the train off the tracks and we're going to end up looking at our life at this pile of rubble asking the question, how did I get here? And so what we have to do is, is, is ask important questions like, am I prioritizing my life correctly? Am I giving my limited time, money, energy, and attention to the things that really matter the most? Wait, pause according to what God says is most important. It's tough, right? Now, if, if that's a good definition of what, what a man of honor looks like, then how do we identify that? In other words, how do we get there? What if my priorities are out of whack, Ferris? What, what, what if they're already messed up? How do I get back on course? In other words, what does it look like practically in my daily life to choose to be a man of honor? And it's funny you ask, because that's the key word, choices. Choices. It all comes down to choices, and here's what I mean. And remember, we're focusing in on men in this series and biblical manhood and what God says the definition of real man is, but what we're about to talk about this morning applies to every single person sitting in this room or watching on video today, and here it is. Every single day, we have choices to make. And I'm not talking about little choices that are you know, don't make much difference. Like, I'm not saying you're sitting at the office and you think to yourself, huh, I need to tinkle. I I should get up and go to the restroom, right? It's not like I choose to tinkle, okay? We're, We're not talking about little decisions like that. We're talking about decisions that impact the kind of person that you're becoming, and wait, the kind of decisions, the choices that you make every single day that have a positive or negative impact on those you love the most. That's what a man of honor is all about. Oh, listen, every single one of the choices that you make every day goes like this. That's important, but this is more important. Or we could word it like this. That's important. But this is what God says is more important. And every one of us, every day when we get up, we're faced with the choice, my way, what I think is important, or God's way, what he says is important. This passage that we're going to unpack today and go deep on is one of the, another one of those famous verses like we looked at uh, last week. It's one of those verses that you hang on your wall and post on social media with a beautiful scenery behind it. And yes, those drive me crazy. And and I love you anyway, and, and I won't unfollow you unless you do like five of them a day, then you're done. Okay. But anyway, uh, I'm just saying like, this is one of those verses when we read it in a second, you're going, oh, I've heard that. And maybe you didn't even know it was in the Bible but shocker it is okay so here it is here here's here and 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 by the way as we as we go here's the problem is I'm not really sure that all of us have taken the time to go deep and ask ourselves what is God really trying to say in this verse that we're going to read so here we go Joshua chapter 24 verse 15 the Bible says this choose this day who you will serve but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord Sounds familiar, right, for most of us? I think for most of us in here, we've probably seen that before. But what I want to do today is go a little bit deeper because there's a lot more to this story than choose this day and me and my house. In fact, that's not even all of verse 15. Like, we're taking parts of one verse and and putting them together. We're not even telling the whole story of verse 15. And so I want to unpack a little bit deeper because there's a lot going on here. First of all, just a little background, okay? Moses was chosen by God to lead the nation of Israel out of captivity and into the promised land. And if you know a little bit about that story, you know toward the end of those 40 years in the wilderness, God comes to Moses and says, you don't get to cross over. You're not going into the promised land. And so, so Moses has to go to the people and say, I know we've walked a long journey with you, but this is the end for me. I don't get to go any further. And so he chooses and appoints Joshua to take over, to lead the nation of Israel, right? And so, so, so Joshua leads them into the promised land and they take over this land that, that God had promised to them generations before. Now, fast forward to Joshua chapter 24, and it's Joshua who's at the end of his life. And he's got some things to say. And usually, I don't think I'm the only one here usually when we're talking about a human being's final words it's usually something worth listening to wouldn't you agree and these are some of his final words so we're gonna back up from chapter 24 into chapter 23 so you can see how Joshua's feeling as he's facing death in this moment he says this in verse 14 soon I will die going the way of everything on the earth. And what he means there is nothing lasts forever, including me, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die and all of us in here. So he says, soon I'll die. And this is what he says to them. Look what he wants them to know. Deep in your hearts, you know that every promise of the Lord, your God has come true. Not a single one has failed. Now, before I, before we kind of drive home the point from that statement that Joshua makes, let me remind us that during these 40 years of, of wandering in the wilderness, trying to get to the promised land, this nation of Israel saw miracle after miracle after miracle of how God provided for them. Starting with the Red Sea when the Egyptians were, uh, were, were chasing them, right? He literally parted the, the sea when they got hungry. Food called manna literally fell from the sky to provide for them. They saw miracle after miracle, and Joshua, in his final moments, is reminding them of this and saying, Not one promise from your holy God went unfulfilled. He never failed you. What a great thing to leave with somebody in your final words, right And so, as he comes in his life. Here's really what he's trying to say to the nation of Israel and what I want to share with you today. Look at this, and this is a a picture taker. What he's saying to the children of Israel in this moment is God can be trusted. You can trust him. He really does have your best interest in mind. He's looking out for you to be the best version of you that you can be. He's not trying to steal from you. He's not trying to ruin your life. He wants good for you, and he can be trusted. So let's keep going. Fast forward into chapter 24. Starting in verse 2, Joshua said this to the people. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Now let's just pause there for a moment, because at the end of his life, Joshua could take the stage here, right? because he's been an amazing leader, if you go all the way back to when the, the nation of Israel was trying to scope out the, the promised land, Joshua and his friend Caleb were one of, the, one of the spies that went into this land, and they saw these, these huge people that, that a lot of the nation of Israel and the other spies got scared of, but Joshua and his friend Caleb were going, we got this, we can take these guys right? He, he, he had great faith in the Lord, and so after this amazing journey in life, it would make sense to some for Joshua to say, hey, listen to me. Here's what I have to say to you today. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, here's what the Lord God of Israel says. You don't need to hear what I have to say, and, and I know I say that all the time when I get up here, but listen to me. Nobody in this room today needs to hear from Steve Ferris. You need to hear from God. Because if you rely on what I tell you, eventually it's going to be broken. Some of you are getting to know me enough that you know when to listen to me and when to just roll your eyes and walk away, right? Like you're getting it. And, and, and that's why we don't trust in men. We trust in a holy God who can be trusted, men. You can trust him. So keep going. Now now we're to that famous passage. We're going to start in verse 14. But we're going to go all the way through verse 15 where we get the hanging on your wall social media verse, okay? Starting in verse 14, this is, what, this is the unknown part of this statement that Joshua tells the nation of Israel on his deathbed. He says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. You know what wholeheartedly means? With your whole heart. Serve God wholeheartedly with everything you have. Look what he says. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors, the ones they worshipped when they lived uh, beyond the Euphrates River and and in Egypt. Put that away. Like the stuff that you used to believe in and that your father believed in and his father believed in, if it's not the one true God, then put it away forever. Stop Stop messing around and giving your time to those things. Right? look what he says, serve the Lord alone, the Lord, one true God. Verse 15, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, here's this word again, then choose today, this day, whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? Choose for yourself, he says, but it's for me and my house, me and my family we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. has a little more weight to you when you you read the whole context, doesn't it? Because what he's saying is he is. He's drawing a line in the sand, but it doesn't sound as cute as the part we hang on the wall, right? What he's saying is, hey, listen to me. Put away the things you've been worshiping, status, power, money, acceptance. Put those things away forever and serve the one true God, because he's the only one on this planet that truly has your best interest in mind. Serve him. Find out what he says is important and run after that with your life. Let me talk about that word for a minute, choose. When Joshua says, says in this passage, choose this day who you will serve, that word choose comes from a Hebrew word that literally means make up your mind an ultimate decision like purpose in your heart make up your mind today who you're going to choose to serve don't don't waffle back and forth make up your mind are you going to serve the one true God so my recommendation says Joshua yeah Respect the Lord. Make, make what he says is most important, most important in, in, in your life. Serve him with everything you have. But if you don't want to do that, if you prefer to serve other gods, that's your choice, and you've got to live with the consequences. Now, men, let me call a timeout. I promised you when we started this series that we weren't here to beat you up, and we're not. But the reality is this. The kind of man that God says we're supposed to be as men of honor. Men who have all of our priorities in the proper order. What are you choosing? Because here's the deal. I I can't fix that one for you. I can't choose for you. I can't follow you home. None of our staff or elders here can follow you around and make sure you're making the choice, the the right choice all the time, the choice that matches up with what God says is important. you got to make up your own mind that that's how you're going to live. He says, choose this day. You know why he says this day? Because this one is all you've been given. Don't worry about 20 years from now. Those days are going to come when it's time. Choose today. Like when you get up every morning, and and we talk about this all the time, choose first to find a chair in your house and spend 15 minutes talking with God or maybe letting him talk to you or reading his words, but choose this day. This day, I'm going to match what I think is important, God, with what you say is important. It's your choice. In other words, look at this. I can choose my way, I can choose the world's way, or I can choose God's way. You can. Like, nobody's going to make you follow God. That's what free will means. It's up to you. Don't miss this one. This is a truth that we all need to let settle in our hearts today. My choices will declare who or what I genuinely trust to take care of me and those I love. It doesn't matter what's coming out of here your choices will declare who you really trust do you trust your job your career trust money to take care of you and those you love or do you trust that God will take care of you your choices will tell everybody else including your family those that you love the most what you choose to make important it tells them what what you believe will take care of you and them. Look at this. Just a few application moments here. For instance, what I choose to fill my mind with, what I read, look at on the Internet, watch on TV or listen to. Now, now look at me. I'm not the pastor that's not saying don't watch Sands of Anarchy or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Okay, I'm not that guy. I'm not saying don't go to shoot-em-up movies. I love shoot-em-up movies. Here's what I am saying, okay? And, and, and by the way, if you guys noticed last Sunday, while I was so giddy, right, and excited, I would love to tell you it was because the Holy Spirit was all over me, but it wasn't. It was because last week began TV premiere week, right? <laughs> Things like Big Bang Theory and Survivor and Blue Bloods, right? Tom, Tom Selleck? Anyway, forget it. Uh, my point is this. You have to choose what you're going to allow into your mind because you know what impacts you. You know what starts the negative chatterbox things going. You know what brings you down, and you know what pulls you closer to Jesus. you got to decide what you fill your mind with. How about this one? Who I choose to spend my time with. My job, my hobby, or my family. People and things that push me closer to Jesus or those that pull me away. This past week, I had this flashback moment to when my kids, my girls, played sports. Our, our girls are grown and out of the house, and and uh, I had this moment this week where I, I thought back about going to soccer games and softball games and how bad that sucked, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like, I dreaded it sometimes. I know what you're thinking, Father of the Year, Steve Ferris. I'm just being honest. And don't judge me because you know some of you are the same way, right? You're like You're like, bleep soccer, man. Forget it. Okay, who invented soccer? By the way, have y'all seen these new little things, these little plastic pods that parents can sit in that they're clear and you can zip up and you won't get wet? If you own one of those, you're going to hell. (laughs) Because let me tell you something. When my kids played soccer and softball, and and while I'm on that, let me say this. If you're a car parent who subjects your kids to the elements and you go back and sit in the car and watch them from the car, you're going to hell before the people with the plastic pods are going to hell. In our day, we stood in the rain, people, and we pretended to like it, even when it wasn't even really soccer, because when my daughters played soccer, it was like this amoeba of all these little creatures just chasing the ball around. There was no point to it. Here's my point. You guys are going to feel really bad when I make my point. I had this moment this week where I thought to myself what I would give for one more chance to watch my little girls play soccer to drive them to softball practice and hear all the stupid little chants that they do. And by the way, I grew up playing sports my whole life and I dreamed of having a boy and I I picked out his name like 10 years before I even met Michelle. And the way I picked out his name is I would say it over and over again. I would go, yep, that sounds like a Heisman Trophy winner. Like that's, that's how I had it picked out. And instead, God gave me two girls and neither of them have a competitive bone in their body, right? <laughs> the only reason they played sports were chance and caprisons, right? <laughs> but listen to me, and listen, I'm not trying to make it just about people who have young children, but let me go there for a minute. Who are you choosing to spend your time with because it's limited and you gonna wake up one morning And that chance to invest in the lives of your young children is going to be over and you never get it back. Who am I spending my time with? How about this one, men and women? What do I choose to allow to drive my life? Is it money, power, status, and pleasure, or love, truth, integrity, and honor? Men, listen to me career passion is a good thing. I'm not saying it's not. I'm passionate about my career. My wife can tell you reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ is one one of the only things I like to talk about. It consumes me. It drives me. There's nothing wrong with that unless, including ministry, that passion for your career trumps your passion for the things that are really the most important. So, while we're at that, let, let me let me bang this drum again, as if we didn't enough this summer. Look at this on the screen. You will never make the re- excuse me. You will never make the correct choice every time on your own. You need other godly men in your life for accountability and encouragement. And guys, let me just talk real for a minute. If you surround yourself the rest of your life with hold my beer, guys who don't have morals and convictions, and they don't understand what's really most important in your life, let me tell you what you're going to look like. Them. Because you become your environment. So one of the things you got to choose this week is who are the men that I'm going to allow to speak into my life. Because I want men that make me look more like Jesus. Look at this. If you want to be a man of honor, then surround yourself with men of honor. That means get in a life group. That means go to the camp out this week. Man church that happens the second Tuesday of every month. Be intentional, men, about surrounding yourself with other men who are pursuing what God says is most important. Let me land the plane like this. Band, you guys can come on up. Look at this definition again. A man of honor, courageously, prioritizes his daily life, and spends his limited time, money, energy, and attention on the things that really matter the most according to what God says is most important. And I just, I want to end with a few questions today, and if this applies to you, let it. Who's getting your treasure? What have you made up your mind that your life is going to look like? What have you made up your mind is going to be most important in your life? And in fact, whose definition of most important are you living by? Yours or God's? Who do you choose this day to serve? Let's pray. So we bow our heads and close our eyes and wrap things up today i want to go back to what i mentioned a few minutes ago this thing that we say around here all the time called chair time and and i just want to say it like this man i do not want you to allow the chatterbox to get in your head and say things like oh you didn't you didn't spend time with god today what a loser of a man you are because that's not how our god in heaven sees you He's not standing on his hips in heaven looking down with this look of disgust on his face, shaking his head thinking, man, I really screwed up when I made you. That's not how God sees you, man. He believes in you. He believes in you more than you could ever believe in yourself. He believes in you so much that he sent his only son to die in your place so that you didn't have to walk through this life. And, and yes, he died so that you spent spend eternity with him in heaven, but he also died so that you didn't have to walk around on this earth carrying the weight and the pressure of all your, your mistakes and poor choices. But the fact remains this just makes sense that if you want to live your life according to what God says is most important then you ought to make it a priority in your life to spend some time with him and find out what he feels is most important just makes sense and I'm just going to say this if you think that you can become the type of man that God wants you to be in this world without spending regular amounts of time with Him, you are greatly deceiving yourself. Chair time, 15 minutes. Last week I challenged you, five days this week, just five days, spend 15 minutes in a chair with God and His Word and see if it doesn't start changing how you see your life and how you see what's most important. Bible, not Steve Ferris, the Bible says a real man is a man who submits and a real man is a man of honor, a man who spends his life on the things that are really most important. God, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for a sobering reminder from Joshua today that it's our choice. It's our choice to make up our mind and determine in our hearts who we're going to follow and what's going to be most important in our life and, and, and who and what are going to get our time, money, energy, and attention. God, it's hard, and we know you know that. Give us strength. Give us courage. Not only courage to do the right thing, God, but courage to raise our hand and ask for help when we don't know which end is up and we feel like we're barely staying above water. God, send other godly men, other people into our lives to speak truth into our lives and help us carry the baggage that you never intended for us to carry alone. Let's stand together. We're going to sing one more song, then we're going to be done. And I want to remind you again as, as we sing this song today. Don't, it's so easy when, when the pastor says, Hey, let's stand and sing one more song. Your mind goes, What are we having for lunch? Or I got to do this today. Or, don't do that. Just pause for a minute and let this song wash over you. And, and, and use this moment as we close, this one last song to say, God, let everything you said to me through your word today download and stick deep inside my heart.